0: Welcome to Deep Impact, Deep Dive into Wildbo's most unloved work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold.
1: And that was Reuben Morehouse.
0: And we are here to talk about Bonds 1.6. And boy, this chapter really starts out dialed all the way up to 11 on the intensity scale straight away, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's just Blake sort of pacing around and then Rose is just like, man, chill. And yeah. then Blake sort of points her at the window and... We sort of get an idea of why he's so on
0: edge, and it's pretty intense. (laughs) He pulls back the curtain, and the camera pans to the window and sees (laughs) just a bunch of creepy others at the fence um, staring at him and doing all kinds of weird, creepy shit. Um, And we get these beautiful descriptions of all these different others, uh, and one I quite like is, uh, we'll call her the Faceless Woman, and here's a little description. There was a woman with hair, hat, and coat covering much of her face, but when I did get a glimpse, I saw only vague black smudges where her eyes and mouth should be. She held a cigarette up near her face, but never inhaled from it. The others seemed rather intent on avoiding her, giving her a wide berth as she paced, which I love. Like, she's <laughs> she's too other, even for the others.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it just immediately establishes her as scary as fuck, because all the other scary things are avoiding her. Like she's the she's the John Wick of the of the local others. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's out. the
0: boogeyman's boogeyman. Um <laughs> so but basically we get a, a nice little ticking clock set up because Blake has ordered a pizza and it's gonna arrive in thirty minutes or less. But then the others showed up and now Blake is kinda of stressing out that the pizza guy is gonna basically get murdered um when he shows up.
1: Yeah. I love this I love this bit where Rose just sort of calls him out and she's like because he sort of explains that the pizza is his way of testing whether they can get stuff delivered. Yeah. And which Rose makes like, sense. What, so you... Yeah. But Rose is like, wait, so you're just putting some rando police, uh, sorry, rando like, pizza delivery guy in the line of fire. And Blake's <laughs> like, well, it wasn't there when I did it. And then he like looks out the window again. <laughs> it's just this <laughs> real moment of like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: so he calls up the pizza place to cancel the order. And, and the guy on the other end of the phone is, is clearly acting strange. We're not really sure why. Um, he basically says no we're not going to cancel your pizza even though you said we can keep the money we're not going to do it and and blake says you're being intentionally dense and then the the other guy just hangs up and we're not really sure what's going on here
1: yeah i mean i just sort of assumed that the, the other the guy on the other end of the line was some somebody who was trying to fuck with blake somehow and and wanted the pizza guy to die um
0: which is just,
1: yeah, it's a bit of an uh-oh moment.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Blake and Rose take a break from worrying about, you know, accidentally murdering the delivery guy to talk about whether they should get a, dom- a domain, a familiar, or an implement first. Um, the co- the conversation basically boiling down to each of them require you to have a, an amount of power to get the other one, but you don't have power until you get one of the other ones, you know?
1: Yeah, well, exactly. It's sort of like to to claim a, a domain, you need to be able to defend it. But to defend it, you really want to have like an implement or a familiar. But to get yeah. some of those, you to get a decent implement or familiar, you need a source of power, which is usually a domain. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Blake calls it a catch-22, and that's basically what it is. And they discuss how it seems like most of the locals because they come from the families. Presumably they were sort of magical trust fund babies is yeah. is the great term that they use. Um, but it, it's just sort of another thing that calls into question this whole, why the hell didn't Rose Senior prepare any of them in any way? And like, there's going to have to be a reason because it's so stupid that she didn't. It, it, there <laughs> has to be a reason. <laughs>
0: no comment. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so Blake and Rose are, are kind of talking and uh, – they're they getting a bit more info about some of the other local players. So Johannes um, has, in, in the book, managed to claim a huge, sorry, in, in Grandma's like contact book, she writes that he has managed to claim a huge domain without anybody challenging him, which nobody really knows how it's happened, um, which is a nice little seed for us to explore later.
1: Yeah, like because it's sort of this thing where Rose Senior is sort of like it's weird that none of us figured it out, and then she also mentions that Mara isn't helping, which was a great little bit of foreshadowing. I assume because I don't think we've heard the name Mara before, and it's just casually thrown in there. I'm sure that'll probably come back. (laughs) Um, But and then sort of after this, like. mirrors brings up her idea again that they should walk into protections for witch hunters yeah and and blake just kind of rolls his eyes at her but then he actually gives some pretty good arguments as to like well if these are sensible things to do it's just going to be in the book for pr- practitioners anyway because the practitioners are probably doing them mm. so can we just you know palm that off later um and then sort of basically says that he'll owe her a compromise uh in the future he's, he's making packs with mirrors
0: yeah very similar to the deal they made with um with uh patrick in the previous chapter you know yeah we will consider yeah. a deal with you <laughs> um <laughs> which is i think the the bare minimum that you can offer somebody in exchange for something i'll consider yeah. agreeing to something you say later
1: <laughs> yeah it I, I mean i guess it's just basically all you're really promising is to actually Meet up with them and hear them out, which yeah. know, I guess is
0: is something. <laughs> um, so the the conversation kind of gets interrupted by the pizza delivery guy showing up, and, and yeah, this just is... as
1: you forget that that there's like all these creepy others outside and there's lives on the line. Like I I totally got distracted by all this talk of the books, and then it was like, oh yeah, shit, that thing. Um,
0: this is I think this whole scene is is the the part of the book. Where I was like, "Shit, man, this book's great," you know. Um, like it's been good up to this point, but this is the part where it's excellent. Uh, so basically, what happens is the pizza guy shows up, and he gets attacked, and Blake is standing at the front door, paralyzed, not not able to go out to help. Um, and Rose is freaking mm. out. Uh, I'll read a little passage. Uh, Rose was screaming now. "Damn you, Blake! Damn you, God! Fuck!" She hit the mirror. But Blake says things like, there's no fucking way I'm going out there. And he just can't... He can't get out, you know?
1: Yeah, which um, is very un-Blake. Because up, up until now, he's always been the, the like, you know, Blake rushes in uh, type. So... Yeah. And, 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 like, we sort of learn... Like, it, I, I didn't quite catch it on my first read-through, but it, it was more apparent when I when I went back uh, just before this. Yeah. Um, he, 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 the whole time sort of sitting in the back of his mind is the idea that it's only the house that's safe and not the whole property. So it, it is all a trap to lure him out there. And that, that's sort of what was on his mind. Yeah. Um, but that's still impressive that he was willing to, you know, sit there, like it kind of shows how fucking scared he was of the whole thing that, um, he, even with the logic behind it, that his response was just not
0: like, I'm staying here. Yeah, and and I like Uh it so much because we don't really understand, like, when you're reading through it, you're not really sure whether Blake is just paralysed or he's figured something out. It's kind of ambiguous. Um, And I think that's not just for us, the audience. I think even Blake is kind of unsure. (laughs) Yeah, no, he (laughs) doesn't seem to have a,
1: a whole lot of clarity in his head about why he was doing what he was doing. He just... He wasn't sure, so he kind of stayed put. And that hasn't really been his response up until now. So yeah. I thought that um, was interesting.
0: Th- there's a quote later on, which I think sums it up pretty well, where Rose says, uh, How sure were you, she asked, that he wasn't human? I didn't answer. Rose was staring at me, and I avoided her gaze. And it's like... E- e- yeah, it's ooh. a damning <laughs> silence. Um, yeah. well, Especially because
1: like, there was nothing in his internal monologue to suggest that he thought in any way, shape, or form that yeah. that guy wasn't human. He he seemed to be under the impression that this guy was dying, but it was still better to wait. Uh, yeah. And, and especially, I don't know, I, I I thought there was a whole thing because in the first chapter, Blake assumed that the bird people were going to turn him into a bird person, mm. and now he's assuming that this guy was always not an other, and he, instead of just like, uh, like I, my first thought was it was a human who just got so fucked up that he turned into another like Mm. i don't know the rules for others yet so i thought that might be what happened but yeah i mean blake blake knows more than i do i guess so (laughs) i don't know but uh yeah blake's just he's still sort of making these broad assumptions Mm. i feel like and just being very sure in them
0: yeah uh i mean it's kind of panned out so far but we'll see i suppose yeah Um, so Blake calls back the pizza place just to double check that he didn't accidentally kill somebody, (laughs) which I like. Um, and, and basically the, the pizza guy reveals, you know, that he's just pissed off at him and he was fucking with him because, uh, the Thorburns haven't sold the house and it's fucking up the value of, of property in the town. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it, it, like, you know, it's just another thing to remind us that also normal people aren't on Blake's side either.
0: Yeah, um, I really like this. I like the idea of, you know, uh, we, we, we talked uh, last chapter about how Laird's position as the chief of police kind of has magical portions of it and also just the mundane portion of it and they're very kind of intertwined, like his power... Yeah. His magical power depends on him being good at his actual human job. Um, I, I just like the idea that the magical world can have these subtle runoff impacts on the real world. Like, you know.
1: No, um, and Led and even sort of suggested some stuff along that, those lines where, you know, he was saying when practitioners fall, it, it can be like, say, I, I think the example he used was um, you know, some sort of racist mob might attack them or something. And it all comes down Mm. to like that plausible deniability. And I guess that that's all part of how yeah, there seem to be mirrors in perceptions within the magical world and the real world. So it all kind of lines up and, and, you know, there's the plausible deniability where nobody was shocked when, uh, Molly died. Um, because, you know, the family's just as hated in the real world as they are in the magical one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so uh, Blake kind of decides, you know what, it's time for us to awaken. Let's do this. Um, but before uh, they do that, Blake kind of wants to take another look at the book on demons, you know?
1: Yeah. And um, I-, I like this bit just before he goes to grab the book where like they sort of go into the study and, and Miros just starts getting the awakening ceremony ready for herself as well. Because yeah. I had the exact same reaction as Blake. Like I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and she was like... I thought I'd try it too. And, and as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Like, what has she got to lose, I guess? Yeah, um, totally. So I, I just, I loved that moment because I, I went through the exact same thought process as Blake where and then I started to feel a bit guilty that I hadn't considered <laughs> that it was probably a good idea for her to do it too.
0: Yeah, like she, as far as she knows, she she was a human up until, you know, three days ago or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. So exactly. why couldn't she awaken, right? You know. <laughs> Uh, maybe it's wishful thinking, but it, it does make sense for her to just assume that she could do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um or, so, or that it's worth trying. <laughs> Blake goes to pick up a book about demons, and Rose is like, uh, well, let me just read the quote. Rose says, Blake, you know that moment in the horror movies where you're screaming at the actors, don't go up the stairs, don't touch the glowing skull, don't read the book? Um... <laughs> It's a it's a good yeah. point, Rose, you know. Yeah,
1: what har- what harm ever came from reading a book? Yeah. That, that's that's an obscure movie reference there. But uh yeah, no, she has a good point. And then Blake also has some valid arguments here where he's like, Yeah, but like we're so out of our depth. Yeah. Can we can we like you know, if if, if we just are aware of what the nuclear weapons are, that might make everyone
0: a little bit more nervous about fucking with us. Yeah, they they do both get, have good points, but eventually Blake concedes and goes to put down the book, but uh, a note and a key fall out from under it. Um, I want to read this quote as well. Uh, Blake and Rose are arguing about whether he should read the <laughs> the note. Um, yeah, and and Blake kind of plays a bit dirty, saying wax makes a seal, and that seal just broke. That's reaching. Rose said, "Okay, maybe I said, but." tell me you can't imagine a drawing of something coming to life and crawling free of that page, (laughs) which is very manipulative. Uh, And, uh, and then uh, Rose says, I, yes, I can imagine it. Yes. Are you happy? Blake says, I wasn't, I picked up the page, which I think is a hilarious (laughs) line as well. Um, It's so grim. And, and you get this real impression of Blake and Rose are just pushing, pushing against a waterfall and, and, trying to swim upstream but it's just so impossible
1: yeah yeah i mean rose is just like please don't do it and blake just kind of feels like he has to and yeah he's just bullshitting here to kind of be like i i want to do this yeah and and yeah i mean he he gets his way because again he's the one in control
0: yeah um yeah, <laughs> again, Blake gets his way. And, you know, maybe chalk it up for another thing that Rose will eventually, you know, get back yeah. at him for when they swap back, as you would suggest.
1: Well, he he does he does actually call out that, you know, when she sort of is like, oh, fine. Um, <laughs> I, I think this might actually be from the earlier conversation, but, you know, he's sort of like, huh, you know, there's a potential here that she could just be building up anger. And he sort of blames it on her personality a bit. But I was thinking, well, also the fact that you know, she can't do anything like it, but it, it was nice to see him actually clue, clue into the fact that he should keep an eye on whether there's like building resentment yeah.
0: um, on her end. Yeah. Um, so Blake opens the note and it explains that there's a terrifying demon that is sealed away in the attic named Barbatorum. It's this freaky demon that's really bad, and Rose has has been like dealing with it for. Um, well,
1: it sounds like it may not even have been her, but like uh, their ancestor, like her ancestors. Yeah, totally. Put it
0: up there. It's just been this thing that has been there, being d- dealt with. Uh, you know, in the sense of making deals with it. Just a little fun note: the note, <laughs> the note that that fell out once it has been disturbed. Blake tries to like put it on the table, but it keeps coming off. Um, there's just a fun little use of magic to make the note keep disturbing itself which is a bit of a weird point
1: yeah well it, it it's like at first I was like what's the point of that like it, it's so unnecessary and then I realised it was Rose Senior who would have done it and it was kind of like I guess her point is that you know they shouldn't just discard the note or whatever but it's classic Rose Senior and then it's it's an overly dickish way to make her point like because it's <laughs> such a pain in the ass to deal with this note like, like pay attention so to hurt. this <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah
0: yeah it's it's great um so blake goes up to check out uh the demon he opens the door it's not there and that's the end of the chapter well he thinks it's not there i, he, yeah, like, he doesn't I, say.
1: I did a bit of latin in high school so I, i'm pretty sure barbatorum basically just means guy who's a beard or something and, guy who's and what a beard i Well, like barber or, or, you know, barb is is the Latin word for beard. And then my my knowledge of all the um, tenses and stuff is a little bit rusty, but I'm pretty sure, you know, this is just like a guy who, like, it could be like a barber or something. Like (laughs) someone who does something to beards is... My rough translation of Barbatorum. So the fact that he would be disguised as a pair
0: of shears um lines up. So that's my current theory as to what's going on there. So we should say there's a pair of shears in the attic, um kind of stuck in the middle of this summoning circle, seemingly breaking the you know, the the circle. Um Which isn't
1: just a circle but like a whole bunch of shit. So Yeah, a bunch of symbols.
0: symbols. (laughs) Yeah. Um so that's the end of the chapter. One point six. Yeah, it's interesting. We we've probably talked about this chapter for the, the smallest amount of time of any of the episodes so far. But this is definitely my favorite chapter that we've covered so far. Um. Well, this is this
1: is the first one where I've been really excited with what it's doing, not what it's preparing. Like if that makes mm. sense. Like almost all the other chapters have been laying groundwork, and and, and you know, like even the one where uh, the the first the first lot where Blake was running away from the Birdmen. We had so little information what was going on. This is sort of... And, it, you know, it's like the end of this first arc, so it kind of makes sense that we're finally getting a bit of delivery on what's been set up. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and we're actually starting to do stuff, and that's, you know, really fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think this... You're right that we had the, that, the kind of action scene with... um with the bird skull creatures, uh, we had the, the brief interactions with the fairies, but th- this scene with the, the pizza delivery guy and Blake kind of paralyzed, and then the reveal that these others were banding together to make him think that he could exit the house <laughs> and be safe is like such a cool little, such a cool set of action bits and moments and, and cool twists. Um, yeah, it, it really kind of sets up what this story can be, uh, which I, I really like. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's that's uh, us talking about bonds one point six. But we've got a little monster corner here. Um, okay. I want to talk about the idea of, of like faceless women as <laughs> as a as a creature. You know, um, so we highlighted her as the yeah. spookiest other from before. Um, but the, the <laughs> yeah. idea of of like faceless women, ghosts, have been around for a, a long amount of time. So I, I want to kind of dive into a bit of the the history of these, um, and we're going to focus on the the most common of these, which is the Japanese ghost called the Nopera Bo, which is a, you know, a woman without a face, basically, it boils down to, or, or with a smudged face. Um, so this has been around since 1904. There was this uh, <laughs> basically set of horror, paranormal horror short stories uh, written in 1904 by a guy called Lafcadio Hearn in Japan. Uh, and this is the first appearance of of one of these creatures where a guy is kind of travelling and he comes across a crying woman and he, he goes to like comfort her, but she turns around and she has no face. And then he goes yeah. to, in, in what I think comes across more comedic than it probably did in the original story, he goes to tell his story to a travelling sober, sober noodle salesman and, and he's kind of describing it and he finds that he can't describe what it looks like and the salesman said, "Did it looks like this and he kind of rubs off his face. <laughs> um, and and this kind of appears in a lot of these stories of the the no Peribou. it's like a guy finds a faceless woman who will like wipe off or smudge her face as a twist and then he'll go and try and describe what it was like to somebody else a sober noodle salesman or his wife and then she's also rubbing off her face you know <laughs> um and mean, so it sounds get...
1: kind of it sounds kind of suited to the the fairies we saw last time in Pact like that's that seems like the sort of mocking haunting thing they <laughs> they'd sort of do where there's this moment of like you know you you're, you're confiding in them and they're like oh like this and and it just turns around
0: yeah yeah it's so weird it's like it's a it's a ghost that's perfectly set up to be the twist at the end of a short story like oh your wife is yeah. one of these um so these ghosts the lore of them is you know, once they kind of latch onto you, they'll just follow you around and imitate different people in your life to scare you? I'm not really sure what the point is. Um, <laughs> as a fun little side note, doing research on any kind of ghost on the internet, it's just... It's a nightmare because you you get people who take all of these ghost stories so seriously. Um, so actually, to, to jump into the lighter side, <laughs> I, when I was researching this, I found... Um, an anime called "The Haunted House: Secret of the Ghost Ball," which is like a, a Ben 10 style anime where a girl has this magical wristwatch and she can use it to summon ghosts to fight other ghosts, basically, or like a Pokemon oh, style thing. Well, that thing,
1: you is know. very Ben 10. Are yeah, you, are you talking about Yokai Watch?
0: Nope, nope, uh, not Yokai <laughs> Watch. <laughs> I guess it's a more common thing than you'd, than you'd expect. Um, so uh, I, I watched this. There was an episode where there was a no pair of beau, or they called it the no-face ghost. And at the end of the story, at the end of the episode, they have like a, a ghost school where they just kind of do an info dump about the ghost. And so they state its powers as ability to steal your face and wear you like a Halloween costume, can change into anybody you know, and hates being exposed to sunlight or mirrors, um, which seems fairly accurate to the law from what I saw. Except the idea about sunlight yeah. or mirrors. I'm not really sure where that came from. Um, ghosts well, of, just I appear mean, at most night. Most
1: of the others impact Pact uh, mm. seem to be nightbound, And yeah, most ghost story things have... Like, daytime is always the safe time. Seems yeah. to be a pretty recurring theme in, in
0: most... Yeah, I guess things. every kind of spooky thing hates daylight, you know. So it feels weird to, <laughs> to, to list it as a stat for every single creature. Um, <laughs> anyway... Uh, so that 's a bit of history about this no parabo um, and I guess that 's all we have to talk about for today uh we We did a featuring a comment last uh last episode we 'll probably only yeah. do one additional like thing every episode so a monster corner or a, a look back at some past comments um if there 's stuff that you 'd like to see, feel free to kind of leave it in the discussion thread and we 'll take a look at it
1: yeah. Yeah, we're we're definitely keen to hear more ideas of, of cool stuff we can do.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, so speaking of discussion threads, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to find our discussion <laughs> threads, uh, you can look in the show notes for this episode. Uh, you'll find the discussion thread for uh, this episode as well as um, a, a lovely redditor named Kiakan has started putting together a list of all the discussion threads, so you can jump back and see what people are saying about previous episodes.
1: Yeah, uh, the show notes also include a link to our website, which has its own links to Twitter and Facebook, so you can, you know, interact with us there. Uh, there's all sorts of ways to contact us on that
0: website. Yep. Um, also, from that website, you can find links to review us on iTunes, which would be very helpful. Um, when's our next episode coming yes. out, Elliot? Uh, so, the next episode will be on
1: Friday, which, doing some uh, live math right here. <laughs> is it the uh, is, 12th, 10th? Uh, that's the 11th. The 11th, 11th. right.
0: Averaged my two (laughs) answers there. Um, Yeah, so Bonds 1.7, the penultimate chapter of the first arc uh, on the 11th, and we will see you then. See ya.